Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. We'll get to the funny graphic in a minute. I'm really struck by the chorus of this last song, We Are How We Treat Each Other, Nothing More. It raises some real questions in my mind as to uh, how are we treating each other by the end of the day, and is that the same way that we are treating ourselves? The message today will highlight and focus around this idea of ego, about our self-esteem, uh, our level of self-importance. And that speaks to uh, the extent to which we love ourselves and recognize the good in ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. But it also speaks to our capacity and willingness to love and respect and hold others in high high esteem or regard. And when I look around the world, and I do because I have one of these things, it can't help but come to me, I see how folks treat each other, and I'm often appalled and saddened and disappointed. And I realize I have a choice about that. I can continue to be sad and appalled and disappointed, or I can redouble my efforts to being the best person I can be and helping others to be the best person that they can be, to help others see the light in themselves, the value in themselves. Because I truly believe that when we recognize and honor who we are as individualized expressions of the creative magnificence of God, then we can help others to do the same. I realize there's a lot of crud going on. But I am reminded of a phrase I heard from my ministerial partner in Florida, and she used to say quite often, do we tell God how big our problems are, or do we tell our problems how big our God is? I am aligned with that big God essence that to me is the combination of all divine ideas, including the divine idea of love which gets back to the song we just heard. We are how we love each other. I want to be big love in the world. And I know you are all big love in the world. So let's get into today's message. This is the Lenten season, that 40-day period of preparation for Easter. And it's very interesting, some facts and, and some of the experience and what we know about Lent, because it's not a biblical creation. There's, you look up the word Lent in a Bible concordance, and you won't see it. You can look in the teachings of Jesus to see what he said about Lent, and he said nothing because he was Jewish. He wouldn't have known about it in the first place. But it, it is a wonderful opportunity, these, this sacred season of 40 days of preparation for Easter. And yet, the Eastern churches and the Western churches approach it differently. So let's do a quick review, as I want to make sure you are well informed of what this season is about. 
So in the Western churches, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which was Valentine's Day, which was quite a conundrum for some folks this year. It's like, oh, do I give up something or do I go out for dinner and eat chocolate and that sort of thing? Uh, last 40 days, more or less, uh, because uh, the different traditions uh, include Sundays, and some do and some don't, and some of them Lent ends on Monday, Thursday, some on Holy Saturday, or some on Good Friday. There's really no real consensus. But the whole point about it is this is a, a time of cleansing and preparation of our minds and our hearts to be transformed. And we recognize the Easter experience is the pivotal example of overcoming. Now, if you were with us here at Unity Fairfax a couple weeks ago, you heard Reverend Sherry deliver a powerful message about understanding the interplay between Christmas, in which divinity is incarnated in humanity, and Easter, in which that same divinity allows humanity to overcome anything that happens in the human experience. It was a very rich and very powerful talk, so thank you, Reverend Sherry, for offering that for us. And here at Unity of Fairfax, getting back to this, we will have special services for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter. We'll do two services, so I invite you to join us at 6.45 a.m. You can practice getting up early now if you want to prepare. <laughs> Easter is next month already, March 31st. Now, the Eastern churches, it's a little bit different than when we're talking about the Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, those sort of things. Lent begins on what is called Clean Monday, which is the sixth Monday before Palm Sunday in the Julian calendar, in the uh, Julian calendar. So that's on March 18th. And Clean Monday is a symbolic day of cleaning out of one's house and one's mind, uh, non-fasting foods and sinful attitudes and that sort of thing. It lasts 40 days without interruption and ends on what is referred to as Lazarus Sunday, which is the Saturday before Holy Week begins. Lazarus Sunday is the day in which the church honors the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead by Jesus, which this year is on April 27th. Orthodox Easter is on May the 5th. In our country, because the Orthodox churches are a much smaller population, the dates for those traditions aren't as well known. But I do think it's important to be aware of that because one of the things we want to normalize is understanding the experience of people who are different from us. And so many of us are not familiar with the Orthodox traditions. I just think it's important to know. So in Unity, we have a real simple way of condensing all of this down into a very short uh, explanation of what the Lenten season is. And we have a slide for this. Lent is an acronym. Let's eliminate negative thinking. It's just that simple. And when we think about the song we just had, we talking about how well are we loving one another, how well are we loving ourselves, that is limited or governed by the extent to which we are holding negative thoughts about ourselves or about other people. So if we want to be free to be, uh, experience a resurrection of attitude of heart or mind or body, then it is incumbent upon us to understand what we're thinking, understand what we're feeling, and then make the decision about whether or not we want to keep thinking and feeling these things. And if they are negative, we know that because they drain our life energy. You know, you think about reading the news and go, oh, ain't it awful, ain't it awful, ain't it awful. You know, that's a negative. We're just getting worse, worse, worse. Or we can look at how we are contributing to creation, creating a world that we want to live in and say, hey, check it out. I like that. 
I like the fact I'm doing interfaith work. I like the fact I'm, I'm doing organic garden, gardening. I like the fact I'm reaching out to meet my neighbor and have candid dialogue with them. So those are sorts of things we can do. So let's eliminate the negative thinking. Now, this isn't saying let's put on rose-colored glasses and be Pollyanna. We have to address the facts of the world, the facts of our lives. But we have a choice. Do we continue to ruminate on what's not working and affirm it? Or do we recognize it and then discern and determine what can we do about it? It's a very different experience. So in our observance of Lent this year at Unity of Fairfax, I'm basing my Sunday messages on the booklet you should have received when you came in, those of you who are here in person. Those of you who are at home, you can send us an email and request one. Let go, let God. A very powerful sentiment that we find in 12-step tradition and a lot of different places. When in our humanity, we can't figure out what to do about something or someone, namely ourselves, we let it go, not as an act of giving up, but letting go of trying to figure it out ourselves, stilling our minds and our hearts, and staying open to the divine ideas that are all around us that we can stay receptive to and act upon when they come to us. I don't know if you've ever done this sort of thing where you tried to force something to happen and nothing was happening. Anybody ever do that besides myself? Okay, three of us, four, five, six, seven. Okay, great. We have a majority. Motion passes. But there comes a time when we just have to stop and say, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to fix it. Spirit revealed to me what needs to be done. And then we patiently wait. That's called letting go and letting God. Ultimately, it is a decision to open ourselves to a greater consciousness than we have presently, but which we know is available to us. And it comes to us through our intuition, through our open-heartedness, through our willingness to just read the signs and symbols around us and to accept the instruction and the wisdom even of others. Let go and let God. So how does this relate to waffles? I want to talk about waffles for a moment. So, you know, in our humanity, right? Don't we sometimes waffle about whether or not to do this or do that? So that's how it relates to waffles. Ego waffles. This, you ever heard, heard the, the, the expression, Lego my ego? Anybody ever heard? Of course you have, because that, that ad campaign came out in 1968. It's been around for a while and was popularized in 2016 in the show Stranger Things on Netflix. Any Stranger Things, Stranger Things fans here? A few of us? Okay. It was uh, uh, Eggo waffles are our favorite food of the character Eleven, if you have seen the show. Anyway, I thought you would like to know that. <laughs> you might need to know. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like on Jeopardy. So let's move on. Let's come back to that opening silly graphic about Lego my ego. Well, you know, the, this is different from the little, little plastic toys. You may have Legos. You may have the little plastic toys that if you step on them in a barefoot, you will swear profusely like, a, like you've never heard before. Yeah, this isn't that. This is something else. What I really want to talk about is let go my ego. Let go the control and the domination 
of this part of ourselves. So today in the metaphysical group, we talked about our teaching in unity and new thought of three phases of consciousness. We have our conscious mind, you know, the things we know that we know, the things we know that we remember, the things we're aware of, kind of our sense of self and how we get around in the world. It's our conscious mind. Now, that's where our ego resides. Ego is a structure of consciousness. It's just kind of how I identify myself. And it's very important to have a healthy ego. You know, a healthy ego says, I'm open to criticism. <sighs> a healthy ego says, I recognize I have worth and value. A healthy ego says, I deserve to be treated well. A healthy ego says, I will treat others well. A healthy ego says, I have a place in the world and it is important. And it is no more important than anyone else's. And that's a function of our consciousness, and that's, uh, that's how we get around. It's really important to do that. And, and if something gets off about that, we usually know that, don't we? Some of us become aware that through life, for whatever reason, as a result of trauma or abuse or war or some situation, systemic issues, we may realize that our ego is very mm, wounded, and we have low self-esteem. That's usually how we know it. Now, it's natural in life that we'll go through cycles that come and go. But sometimes it's just kind of chronic. And we just feel bad all the time. We don't think we matter. We don't think we count because of whatever reason that we're holding on to. And we don't stand up for ourselves. We don't speak our peace. We stifle our creativity. We don't believe in our capability to make a difference in the world. Most of us have been there at some point, but some of us just kind of reside there. And that's a sad place to be in. Now, a lot of folks as well have those same sort of foundational wounds and yet overcompensate narcissism and inflated ego and pretension and all this other stuff, still trying to make up for a loss and a sense of self that still feels small. And that happens too. The answer and the way we address these things when we become aware of them is always with compassion, with a willingness to understand what happened, how did we get here, and a belief as we teach in unity, there is a way out. There is a way for restoration of wholeness. And that sense, well, the truth is the wholeness is always there. The awareness of the inherent wholeness that may have been put aside or squashed or squandered in some way, shape, form. And that's where we open ourselves to choosing to believe that each one of us is the beloved of God. That isn't hubris. We believe, we teach that that is simply an acknowledgement of who you are and what, how you came to be here. There's a story in the book of Matthew, and I just want, it's a short one, just three verses in chapter three, and it's about Jesus' baptism. Now, when we read these sort of stories, we see that the, the life of Jesus, we interpret 
as a model for our lives, our awareness of growing into the realization of who each and every one of us actually is in our heart. So this is a very metaphorical interpretation of the story of the life of Jesus. And I want to read it to you and just point out a couple things as it relates to this idea of ego. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw God's spirit descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. There's a couple of interesting positions here about the way in which ego is presented. Notice initially, John said, I can't be baptized by you. You're some somebody. I'm just little old John. I ain't nobody. And you're coming to me to receive a service, to be baptized? What are you talking about? I'm just this lowly guy. And yet Jesus said to him, no. He's essentially saying, claim your essential role in this experience, John. You matter. You have an important service to offer that you need to do. Step it up, man. Own who you are. Own your worth. Own your importance. Recognize that what you have to offer, even if you've just been out in the wilderness eating bugs, and that's what the story says, and, and probably not bathing, you still matter. It's important for you to, to be big in this situation. And John says, all right, I'll believe you, man. I will own the fact that I have an important role to play and I matter. And yes, you might quote unquote outrank me, but you still need me for you to be who you've come here to be. We all need each other. How we treat each other at the end of the day, it matters. And Jesus, for his part, said, yes, I, I know who I am. I know who I've come here to be. And even so, I probably don't need all this anyway, because I am the guy. And yet, I need this to happen. I need you to help me be who I've come here to be. You know, it reminds me of like Michael Phelps and, and Simone Biles, the best athletes in the whole wide world. They all have coaches. They need help to get to that role. They don't just do this on their own. They need to take their egos, put them in check and say, other people have things to offer me so that I can be my best self. And I'm really grateful for that. And in this setting, Jesus was really grateful to John for stepping up and being big and helping. And so the story goes on, and Jesus was baptized. And when we hear this, this voice as recorded in the scripture, that says, this is my beloved 
in whom I am well pleased. We are the beloved because we're here. I mean, that's where we start. You look at the origin stories of Jesus, not too great. But he's the beloved, and John's the beloved, and you're the beloved. And we can stay in that space of very much conscious awareness of our beloved nature when we keep our egos in check, when we are self-aware, when we're willing to, to ask for help, when we're willing to stand up and be strong when it's called for, and willing to just relax and chill when we don't need to be so strong, or better yet, when we are willing, when we know we need help. Put the ego aside. You don't have to prove anything to anyone because initially, from the beginning, each and every one of us is that beloved person. Which is why it's so important for us to invest in self-aware, to do that work of understanding what I'm thinking, what what I'm what I'm feeling, and is this helpful? And if it's not, then to realize that as the beloved of God, each and one, every one of us is open to the divine ideas that will allow us to be our best selves and be at peace. And so much of that work is predicated on recognizing what do I need to let go of? Do I need to let go of trying to prove myself again and again and again to people who don't care? Do I need to keep asserting my power in every single situation when I'm really acting out a drama from a long time ago? Do I need to let go of a belief that I don't matter and I don't count because what I have to offer is what the world needs and I need to speak up and be present. We are all the beloved of God with humility and grace. We are all making a difference in the world because what the world needs now is for all of us to, at the end of the day, to know that how I love others is how I love myself. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.